I am not for anyone. I am against war. This is a Joining us for a conversation is Bob Moriarty, the founder of 321Gold and 321Energy.com. Now, before we delve into today's discussion, allow me to remind our audience members that Mr. Moriarty holds the record as the youngest naval aviator at the age of 20 in the Vietnam War. Equally impressive, he achieved the rank of captain in the Marines at the age of 22, and he has flown over 824 combat missions. Mr. Moriarty, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. It's it's an interesting time. It certainly is. And allow me to begin by asking you, is this the beginning of World War III? Uh, It easily could be. And in saying that, I'm looking at what's going on. We're all looking at what's going on. And and what makes you what makes you say that? I want to get your perspective on it. Well, uh, first of all, and, and, and it's interesting that you approached it in that direction. Anybody who tells you they know what's going on is lying. Okay, uh, war is much too complicated, and there's way too many variables, and nobody can can predict exactly what's going to happen. Go back to World War One. World War One just kind of happened. You had countries on one side and countries on another side. You had what was a relatively minor event, the assassination of the Archduke Ferdinand, which really didn't mean anything. There were assassinations all the time, and then all of a sudden everybody's at war. Uh, the key here is wars are really easy to start. And really hard to finish but the the questions that you've asked me are actually from a propaganda from the United States and, and I'm gonna suggest to you that virtually everything that you think you know about what why it's happening is dead wrong and that's exactly why I brought you on give us a different perspective that we're not hearing that we're not seeing Okay, the perspective from the point of view of the United States and NATO is that Putin's a bad guy, he's a thug, he wants to recreate the Soviet Union, and he's the aggressor. Now, here's the problem with that. Uh, Victoria Newland, who is the Assistant Secretary of State for European Affairs, uh, in the Clinton administration, I'm sorry, in the in, in the Obama administration, uh, spent five million dollars uh, to run a coup d'état in Ukraine. The legally elected president of the country mm-hmm. leaned towards Russia, and the United States wanted Ukraine to lean towards the EU. Now, the one thing, there's absolutely no question of the United States sponsored an illegal coup d'etat and overthrew the illegally elected government of Ukraine. And then we put our own thug in. The $5 million, much of it went for bribes to Congress. Biden was getting his 10% 
through his son, Hunter Biden was getting paid $50,000 a month for his expertise on crack. Uh, how much do you know about petroleum and how they separate petroleum? Well, I'll tell you what, give us your view on it because it's best to get your perspective because everyone wants okay. to hear from Bob here. When you get uh, petroleum coming out of the ground, it is not gasoline, diesel, uh, LNG, kerosene. It's all of the above. And you have to use a process called cracking to break down the molecules, and that separates the gasoline from the diesel, from the heavy oil, from the LNGs. So Burisma was looking for an expert on crack. So they hired Hunter Biden because he had as much experience with crack as anybody associated with the United <laughs> States government. And, and since Hunter Biden uh, was basically a tool for its father, uh, the, the government of Ukraine and Burisma could pay bribes to Biden through his son. And they did. This is not something I'm making up. Uh, he's, he's recorded as saying 10% went to the big guy. But uh, Nancy Pelosi's kid was getting paid by Ukraine. John Kerry's kid was getting paid by Ukraine. Half, half the representatives in Congress were getting paid by Ukraine. Ukraine was and is a totally illegal, corrupt state. Now, does Putin want Ukraine? And the answer is hell no. Even the Ukrainians don't want Ukraine. But the Ukrainians have been bombing Donbass, the, the independent states to the east of Ukraine that are primarily Russians who voted 96% to join Russia. And Russia said, we don't want you. Okay, we'll recognize that you're independent. Uh, they've been bombing Donbass for eight years. There was a peace treaty in 2016 between France, the UK, the United States, and, and Ukraine called Minsk II. Mm -hmm. And in Minsk II, Ukrainians agreed to negotiate directly with Donbass. Now, the Ukrainians have refused to negotiate. So let's go back to the basic issue. What does Putin want? So I want you to give me, in a sentence or two, what is it that Putin wants? Well, based off of what the narrative that, that I'm receiving is that, or we're, as a whole, the audience members are receiving, is that he wants, he sees strategic advantages in having the land, access to water, uh, natural resources. That's what we're being told. You're being lied to. Putin has made it absolutely crystal clear he wants defensible borders, which is precisely what John F. Kennedy wanted in 1962 when the USSR moved missiles into Cuba. Kennedy said, hey, wait a minute, we want defensible borders, and we don't have defensible borders if you've got uh, 
uh, nuclear missiles within 40 minutes range from Washington, D.C., okay? And Putin's made it absolutely clear. He's not out for land. He doesn't want more land. He's not trying to recreate the Soviet Union. What he's trying to do is have defensible borders. Now, if you go back to 1991, when Baker was negotiating with the Soviet Union, or with Russia at the time, over the reunification of Germany, uh, the United States' position and NATO's position was that if the Russians allowed Germany to be reunified, that they would not move NATO one inch to the east. Now, if you want to know how valid the word is of the United States and the treaties that we sign with people, you need to go talk to the American Indians and ask them how it worked out. Yes. Okay. We have totally surrounded Russia and, and the United States and the media is pointing the finger at Putin saying he's the bad guy. He's the aggressor. He's not the aggressor. And he talked to the Ukraine and said, look, you are not going to join NATO. He didn't say, I don't want you to join. He didn't say, please don't join NATO. He said, you are not going to join NATO. I am not going to have nuclear missiles on my border. The, the president of Ukraine, and I'm going to say he, he, he's not as big a thug as the guy that we put in in 2014. There was an election. This guy was elected. And it's probably no more, no less corrupt than any other election there. Uh, clearly, is being told by the United States and France and Spain and the UK and NATO, don't worry about it. Okay, if he attacks you, we've got your back. <laughs> well, that's not a really good idea. Right. Okay. The, the, from a, a totality of forces... The Russians are a hundred times more prepared for battle than the Ukrainians. And I don't give a damn what the UK and France and Spain and NATO and the US say. You're not going to send a bunch of stingers in there and defeat the Russians. Now then, if NATO and the United States and Ukraine woke up, they could end the war the one day. And what is that solution? We tell Putin, okay, Ukraine is not going to join NATO, and we will give you enforceable agreement that it's not going to happen. And Ukraine will negotiate with Donbass, and the war would be over. And quite bluntly, let me be as direct as I can be. If Ukraine and NATO and the United States do not do that, they are 100% responsible for what happens from here. I, I wrote a piece 10 days ago, I think, and I said, Brandon, don't fuck with Putin. And if you go back and read the piece, I was very accurate. He's the guy... <laughs> I would not fuck with. You know, too often we see the narrative on the mainstream media, and you've outlined 
the means and everyone's looking at the end. And so what we're seeing here is that Putin, the visuals that we receive is he's the aggressor. And, and you're saying he's not. And we're not here to what I, my point to all that is this. You are not advocating violence. You want peace. You've written a book about it. And uh, so I want to make sure everyone's clear on your position is that you're not per se in av advocating that violence should occur and you want to see peace. And you said it the best. I think anyone can quote it. The diplomacy is very simple. They will not join NATO. Now, that takes a lot of pride. And I don't know if we have the pride within us to say that. But Well, hang on a second, Maurice. Uh, when people are shooting you, uh, pride is a really bad idea. Okay, it's time to start thinking, well, you know, maybe I should change the way I'm thinking. As I said right in the beginning, when you asked, could this be the beginning of World War III? Uh, World War II, I think, I'm sorry, go back to World War One. I. I think World War One killed about 25 million people. Uh, World War Two was something like 65 or 68 million. Uh, World War Three, if we started lobbing nuclear weapons, could kill that many in a day. Now, who cares if Ukraine is in NATO? Why would we give a shit? Okay, it is not in the interest of either NATO or the United States for Ukraine to be in or out of NATO. Why does NATO even exist? There is no purpose for NATO. But everything that you're being told, everything that you see in the mainstream media, everything is a lie. Now, here's what's interesting. Let's go back to COVID. Remember a year ago? No, no, two years ago when they said uh, two weeks to flatten the curve? Mm -hmm. It was <laughs> yes. a lie. Remember when they said if you take masks, okay, that'll stop it? That was a lie. Remember when they said if you lock down, that'll stop it? That was a lie. Remember when they said, well, it's going to really kill 55 million people? Well, that was a lie, too. Uh, CDC said 94% of the people killed with COVID and only 6% of COVID. They had automobile accident patients who died. Oops, COVID. They had gunshot wounds. Oops, COVID. They had suicides. Oops, COVID. They had drunks. Oops, COVID. Everything we were told about COVID, certainly including the jab, was a lie. Okay, they're still trying to force people to take a shot that everybody who can read understands doesn't work. So why do they bother? Now, let's look at what just happened in Canada. If you listened to the mainstream media, you would think about your right wing Donald Trump supporters who are Nazis and, and, and Confederate flag waving thugs. Uh, wanted to overthrow the government of, of, of Canada. But if you actually watch the videos, you realize, wait a minute, the only thing Canadians ever riot over is a hockey game. They're certainly <laughs> not going to riot over something like a COVID mandate. So what we were being told was the rioters, they weren't even rioters. Canadians have no idea how to run a good riot. You want to see how to run a good riot? 
Watch Antifa. Okay, watch BLM. They know how to run a riot. The Canadians were peaceful. They were reasonable. The government wouldn't talk to them. So, so you get one side from the media, mm-hmm. and if you actually look at it, it's a totally different picture. Uh, we are at the point where 100% of what the mainstream media tells you is a lie. And, and to back that up, I had an opportunity. I was just, uh, I look for little things, little nonverbals that maybe others don't look at, but I had an opportunity last night. They were showing footage of Ukrainians in the train stations, and I noticed many of them, almost no one had a mask on, and I never saw anyone tap somebody on the shoulder and say, put your mask on. I never heard any of the news commentators say, well, what about the COVID? What what could COVID be doing in a situation where everyone's confined, where there's no ventilation per se, and no one's wearing their mask? That was never a concern. <laughs> it's, it's interesting, whatever the narrative of the day is, and then you forget what the narrative was yesterday. Well, uh, let's go back to the real purpose of the United States supporting uh, Ukraine. What is going to happen to the Democratic Party uh, come November? Mm-hmm. It's going to—they're they're not going to be here. You got it. They're going to get their ass kicked. Okay, we have a guy who belongs in an old folks' home running the, the country. Okay. Try to get him to come through with a complete paragraph or a sentence. Uh, Joe (laughs) Biden is senile. He is incapable of making adult decisions. And and how many people are talking about this? When did he go on the mainstream media and the media said, you know, we need to do something about this. This guy is totally incapable of running the country. Now then, does the United States deserve secure borders yes do we have them yes oh god Maurice, where have you been have you been to texas lately no i i i'm ref- i'm i'm being the mainstream media no sir. we have millions <laughs> no of illegal immigrants crossing the border and we're giving them plane tickets so we're flying them all over the country and we're giving them medicare and we're giving them nice places to stay. We not only don't have secure borders, we got the most insecure borders in in the world. I was being sarcastic. And saying he wants <laughs> secure borders. Well, Jason, why don't we give it to him? I don't think he caught me, Bob. I was being sarcastic. <laughs> oh, God. Gag me with a spoon. <laughs> yeah, I always, I, one of the questions, I, I never saw any of the, uh, again, I'm looking at mainstream media. I never saw any of them inquiring with the Ukrainians or Ukrainian government, what was their position on the Mexican border and what have they done? I've never seen that question asked and it's just interesting, But but I digress. I would like to find out. What okay. do you see as the likely outcome between Ukraine and Russia? Ukraine's going to get their ass kicked. If they're smart, uh, they will surrender in the next day or two. Putin and the Russian army are not trying to kill Ukrainians. They're trying to get them to abide by what they agreed to uh, five years ago. If they do that, the war is over. And what do you think the possibility is of the U.S. actually getting pulled into combat here? Because we see troop movements in the east. Uh, it's, it's, 
Is it a show? When when you ship 5,000 soldiers to Eastern Europe and and the Russians who got 150,000 armed, trained soldiers, uh, you're making some kind of really meaningless political statement. We've got... uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, who brags about diversity in the military. <sighs> yes. We, we, we do not want to go to war. And I don't what, think that... Well, to, uh, I mean, we have destroyed our military. And that is a, a growing concern, I think, for many members in as citizens, we see it deteriorating as well. Let me ask you this now. How does China factor into this conversation, and, and should they be a bigger concern for us, actually, than Russia? Uh, China is the wild card. China can take Taiwan anytime they want to. If the war in Ukraine continues very much longer, uh, China's going to say, well, nobody's paying any attention to me, so I'll go take Taiwan. Uh, they could take Taiwan in a day or two. We cannot defend Taiwan. Taiwan is part of China. Uh, and it, it, it would give China literally a stranglehold on the American economy because then they would control the production of all uh, computer chips. We are at the most important turning point in American history and we have done some incredibly stupid things. The whole COVID bullshit was over a bad case of the flu. We were fed fear porn by the media. We were lied to at every possible opportunity. And now the rest of the world turned around and said, well, you know, this COVID thing, it's really no big deal. I mean, we could skip the mask, skip the lockdown, skip the jab. We don't need that stuff anymore. We never needed it in the first place. Uh, we're at a really important turning point with NATO. NATO has gone a bridge too far. Let me give you a perfect example. Uh, Ten days ago, uh, Trudeau invoked the Emergency Act in Canada for the first time in history. That was very similar to the Enabling Act that Hitler put in in March of 1933. Uh, It gave the Canadian government total power over the people. And the assistant prime minister that had a finance for Canada who is an expert, by the way, on Russian literature, which I suppose is a really handy background, Uh, they started seizing the bank accounts of people who supported the truckers. Now, let me give you a number. Let's say there's 10,000 people who donated money to the truckers who live in Canada, who have money in the bank, and the government has just come out and said, we're going to seize money from your account. What do you do? Well, there's a number of things that you do. Uh, the first one is you're going to be upset. The second one is, is you're going to try to get your get your cash back and take it out of the system, uh, and you revolt. Actually, actually, 
it, you nailed it right there. Mm -hmm. If somebody says, I'm going to steal your money, what do you do? You go down to the bank and steal it first. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the amazing thing is nobody other than me, I think, has gotten it. The banking system in Canada shut down. You couldn't get money out. You couldn't go to a website. You couldn't do a transaction. So what did the banks do? I didn't follow it completely, but they opened back up? Or how did the uh, situation play out from there? Okay. The banks uh, went to Trudeau and said, look, asshole, you need to stop this stupid shit. So he did. Now, I've been, I'm in the United States, and I've been sharing with those that I know personally and in, in interviews that I have don't trust the banking system and to get your cash out. And if you notice the situation in Ukraine, you saw everyone lined up at the ATM machine. Well, if everyone's running for the border that works at the bank, how does that ATM machine get replenished? Well, so, worse than that. Can you explain in one sentence what the business model of every bank in the world is? How do banks make money? They loan. And what else do they do? Well, they loan. They they, they have your cash so they can uh, receive. Okay, stop right there. They loan long and they borrow short. Correct. Okay. So you do something that causes a run on the safest, biggest, best run bank in the world. What happens a day later? Oh, complete chaos. System shuts no, down. No, They shut down. Right, shut down. Okay. There is no bank in the world that could survive a run on the bank. So Trudeau and Freeland called, caused a run on the Canadian banks. And literally, it would have meant shutting down the entire Canadian economy. Now, if you watch any of the videos of Freeland or of Trudeau, when he announced that that uh, they were going to cancel the Emergencies Act and she announced that they were not going to be seizing money, they acted like somebody had shoved a corn cob up their ass, okay? <laughs> These guys were really nervous because they just rea realized that you may think you're the smartest guy in the block, but there are people who are smarter than you. And they just screwed up big time, and they had their lunch handed to them, and they realized, wait a minute, we just about to destroy the Canadian economy. Now, what the United States is doing in Ukraine is identical to that. Uh, if the EU, NATO, and the United States canceled the SWIFT system, the international banking system for Russia, would that be an act of war? It certainly can be, yes. No, no, it is, not can be. That would be an act of war. Now, do you know what Putin has said in the last 24 hours that they canceled um, SWIFT? I am not. I did catch the portion with uh, Finland and Sweden, his remarks regarding uh, their interest in joining uh, NATO, If they, but I did miss that one. Putin has said, if you're a bank and you cut us off from Swift, we will nuke you. There you have it, folks. It, it is that simple. So we shouldn't be discussing the right or wrong 
of removing Russia from SWIFT, we should say, oops, we don't want to do that. Okay, that would be a really bad idea. We should not be discussing, should all of these countries surrounding Russia be admitted into NATO? We should say, wait a minute, why don't we do what we agreed to do 30 years ago? And we were warned that this is exactly what the net effect would be in the end. What Putin is demanding, I, I, I want to repeat that, what Putin is demanding, not asking, is absolutely reasonable. Russia has the right to secure borders. Putin isn't the bad guy, he's the good guy. It's the Ukrainians, it's NATO, it's the UK, it's France, it's Spain, it's the United States who are taking aggressive steps against a country that doesn't threaten anybody. Putin went to Ukraine and said, stop bombing Donbass. Donbass or, or, Ukraine said, take a hike. So he said, okay, watch. And the world is watching now. Yeah. And the Ukrainians <laughs> get their ass kicked. I don't want to see anybody killed in the Ukraine. I don't want to see anybody killed in Russia. I am not for anyone. I am against war. This is a war that would be the easiest thing in the world to stop, and we need to do it now while we still can. Now then, you're a student of history. When's the last time anyone won a war? Never. Never. Okay? It's like walking into a bar and starting a fight and knocking the shit out of the other guy, and he knocks three of your teeth out. Who won? No one. Nobody. Nobody wins any war. The only thing that happens in any war is one side loses a lot more than the other side. Now, you're old enough to, to, to remember a little bit about Vietnam. From a geopolitical point of view, uh, what was the United States effort? Why were we in Vietnam? That's a question. I You know... Uh... No, no, give me, give me a simple answer. Well, in, in theory, we were there to stop communism. Thank you. Okay. Who's running Vietnam now? Communists. Do we give a shit? We don't. Exactly. Why? Because they're a great trading partner. They're really nice people to deal with. They're very uh, Pacific people. Uh, the Vietnamese are fabulous. What they don't like it's being invaded and told what to do. Now, is their is their finance system any better than the United States? Nah. Do you know how much it costs to be a millionaire in Vietnam? I don't know the currency uh, difference. About thirty bucks. I'll take it. Everybody in Vietnam is a millionaire. <laughs> okay. So so you know what a successful system. So the guys that that we killed. 58,000 Americans and two or three or four million Vietnamese and Cambodians Laotians. The guys that we we caused the deaths of all those people uh, are running the country and they're doing a far better job than we could have done. You know, war war's not a, ever a good thing. It's always a bad thing. Switching gears. How will resource stocks be impacted by the situation in Ukraine? 
Uh, strange enough, I'm not sure that's a good question. And, and the reason for it is, one, uh, we could have a ceasefire and, and an agreement in place to, to actually have Mints II enforced in a day or two. Or alternatively, we could have World War III and, and Biden could, could turn the United States into a six-inch plate of glass. Uh, so I can't say what the Ukraine effect is going to be. What I can say, and you know this because I've been predicting a massive market crash uh, for well over a year, uh, it's here. We're going to have very violent dead count bounces. We've got one of those going on right now. I think at the end of the day, uh, we're going to have an 89% decline in the Dow and the NASDAQ and the S&P. It'll take two or three years to get there. Uh, the choice right now is, do you want to be invested in bonds that are a guaranteed loss of 5% per year? Uh, or would you be rather be in resources? Would you rather be invested in Bitcoin and the 10,000 variations of Bitcoin that the only reason you should own them is because they're so rare? And I'm still trying to get my head around that. Lots of people <laughs> say, you know, the old man's getting stupid. He doesn't understand cryptocurrencies. Well, the old man was a systems programmer for Ross Perot 50 years ago, so I damn sure understand cryptocurrencies. Uh, cryptocurrencies are all going to zero. There is no financial reason for them existing. They are the ultimate in an electronic beanie baby. So at the end of the day, this is not a story of how good the resource stocks are. This is a story of how bad everything else is. Would you rather be invested in paper where you're guaranteed a loss, or would you rather be invested in something that might go up? I, I personally would, would rather be invested in something that might go up. Now, speaking of something that might go up, let's talk about some resource stocks that have your interest. Can we talk about Provenance Gold? Providence has some excellent projects. They come up with good results. They're going to be mining in Nevada. They've got good resources at surface. They're expanding. I, I think it's a great story. I own a lot of shares. I've never sold any shares. They are an advertiser. But I, I like management and I like the, the project. Yes, that's Ronald uh, Pertu there. And also, I love the uh, recent acquisition they have there in the eastern part of Oregon. Uh, strange enough, I've been there, too. And, and that that uh, trend, uh, very few people realize that the, the trend runs all the way uh, from Walker Lane up to Oregon. Most people don't know that. There's a lot of gold in eastern Oregon. And ladies and gentlemen, if you missed it, I had an opportunity to interview Providence Gold last month. Visit our website, provenandprobable.com. And also, they just updated their corporate deck. We also released that on our website, provenandprobable.com. Let's go to Sean Kun Kun and talk about his two companies. Let's begin with Dolly Varden Silver. Uh, Dolly Varden just took over Fury 
Uh, they've merged the two companies. Uh, Dolly Varden is very strong. If you like silver, you have to like Dolly Varden. A number of strategic acquisitions going on there, strategic moves, I'm sorry, uh, by Sean Kun Kun. And how about Strike Point Gold? Uh, same thing with them, and they're drilling, they're coming up with good results. Uh, it's another company. I own a lot of shares, and I've never sold shares. Uh, I like Sean, and I think they'll be successful. All right, let's go to some battery metals. How about Group 10 Metals in Montana with Michael Raleigh? Uh, same thing. I, I don't really call that a battery metal. And where that gets interesting, uh, Russia produces 30 or 40 percent of all the palladium in the world. And depending on what happens in the near future, uh, Russia could stop shipping palladium. They could stop shipping natural gas. They could stop shipping uh, crude oil and that R Russia's got a lot of money so they could afford to do that but that could kill uh, the price of palladium gas oil natural gas could shoot through the roof uh, that's one of those wild cards that uh, group 10 doesn't get anywhere near the valuation that they should get and this could be a catalyst for a revaluation of the stock. It could Abs be, has to be very good for them. Absolutely. How about, let's go to Australia, let's go to Rue Gold. Uh, uh, I'm not even sure you know this. Who came up with the name of Rue Gold? That I don't know. I do. Who was it, sir? Well, Quentin Henney and I were, were driving around uh, the Pilbara, and I, I guess this goes back five, six years ago. And we went to an area where there was a stockpile of gold ore from a company that had gone bankrupt and it was in receivership. And, and we were taking samples of, of, of the rock. And, and literally, you could pick up a rock and have gold on the entire surface. Mm -hmm. um, and Quentin said, well, it's getting dark. We need to drive back to town before it gets dark because as soon as it gets dark, the kangaroos come out and, and it's very dangerous because they tend to run in front of the truck. So we're driving back to town. The switch gets turned and it's night. And Quentin says, this is when, whap! And he hits the kangaroo. Oh. <laughs> and I felt terrible. I, I didn't feel as bad as kangaroo did, but I felt pretty bad. And uh, I, 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 I talked to Quentin. Look, Quentin, I don't, I don't blame you for killing the kangaroo because you, you had actually, you knew it was a bad time to be driving. I, I think the kangaroo was actually suicidal. <laughs> But I said, that, that leads to another issue, and that is we need to change the name of Novo Resources. The Novo Resource doesn't really mean anything. Uh, we, we should call it Rue Gold. 
And Quentin kind of agreed with me, but couldn't get anybody else on the board to to go along with it. So I, I just kind of kept Rudolph in my back pocket. And then Mike Curtis came to me a year or two ago and said, look, you know, I'm doing a deal with some people and we've got a bunch of projects in Australia and they're quite interesting. We've got some sharp people. We need a name. And I said, uh, why don't we call it Rue Gold? Interesting it, background on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, love, and story, absolutely true story. All right, let's go to Fiji and finish up here with Lion One Medals. Lion One is a brilliant story, and everybody, they, they hiccup, okay? I, I think they've still got 50 or $60 million in the bank. They ordered a bunch of drills to, to expand their drill program, and they didn't order the equipment that goes with it. And COVID caught them out, and they had millions of dollars worth of drills sitting idle because they didn't have the compressors uh, to supply the, the hydraulic power. Uh, Wally hired a couple of people to go to Fiji and actually run the project from there. Um, he had somebody in Perth that was trying to run it for Perth, and it's been virtually impossible to get in or out of Australia for the last two years. And, and quite bluntly, that just didn't work. So there was a six-month period where there was no progress, no news, no nothing. Uh, Wally has now made the decision to go into uh, production. He has a resource, uh, he has a permit, he has some money to do it, and they'll be in production by the end of 2023. Uh, Lion One is one of about half a dozen companies that I follow and I own that if you can teach yourself how to fall off a bike, you could make money investing in them. It is that simple. If you could fall off a bike, uh, you can make money investing in Lion One's a great story. They've come out with brilliant results recently, and sooner or later the market will get it. And the market's actually starting to get it. I think they were in this, what, 70 cents here recently, and uh, you wrote a piece on them, and the market started to recognize the value proposition. Yeah, exactly right. Now, uh, in just full disclosure for everyone, Bob Moriarty and myself, we are shareholders, and these are partners of ours, uh, shared partners. Let's move on to physical precious metals. How do they fit into the narrative of uh, today's conversation? When the government has the power to steal your money in the banks, you better have something you could put your hands on. And when I say something you could put your hands on, I'm not talking about, well, I've got a deposit in Switzerland somewhere, and according to the piece of paper, I've got uh, 2,000 ounces of silver bars. I mean, put your friggin' hands on. So it's a good idea to own some gold and silver because governments are stupid and they're corrupt and they don't understand what they're doing and they can shut the banking system down entirely. And when they do, you want to have some cash and you want to have some gold and you want to have some silver. How about uh, platinum and palladium? 
Uh, platinum, especially palladium, is a wild card because uh, palladium could double its price just because of what's going on in Russia, or uh, platinum could be more valuable. Uh, here's the order in which I would buy things. I would buy silver first. It's cheapest in relative terms. And, and then platinum, and then gold, and then palladium. But I, I've even made money. I was buying rhodium. Boy, you remember this. I yes. Rhodium at like 700 bucks an ounce. It's 21000 now. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, a lot of people give me credit for that call, but uh, there's my mentor right there. You're looking at him. He's the one that uh, shared the value proposition with me. Look at Maurice. Look at Rhodium. And uh, so I get credit for it many times, but I like to just share with everybody. There he is, Bob Moriarty. Thank you, sir. <laughs> All <Hey>. right. <laughs> and uh, just as a reminder for everyone, I am a licensed representative to buy and sell physical precious metals through Miles Franklin. Give me a call at 855 855- Five zero five nineteen hundred, or you may email Maurice at milesfranklin dot com. In closing, Bob, what keeps you up at night that we don't know about? Everything. When I was twenty, I was the youngest fighter pilot in the entire world, and I had everything in front of me, and I had world bought short and curlies. And I felt really sorry for old people in their 40s and 50s and 60s. And I thought, damn, you know, I don't, I don't ever want to get to be that old. And uh, I am that old and then some now. And I, I look at it and say, damn, I'm, I'm really glad I'm not young. they they got to fix this shit. <laughs> well, you know... Uh I recently watched an episode of Bonanza, and I remember the person saying I was uh, the character in there. I wasn't born old. I grew old. And you have all this wisdom, and you really appreciate your time here. Last question for you. What did I forget to ask? I I can't think of anything you missed. We've, we've covered a lot of interesting things. Well, Bob, for someone that wants to learn more about your work, please share the website address. Uh, 321gold.com and 321energy.com. And obviously, I do a lot of interviews and I post on other websites. I will tell you one thing that's quite interesting. I'm on somebody's list. And, you know, whether it's Google or whether it's YouTube or whether it's anybody else, they absolutely are trying to, to keep me silent. And when the social media wants you to be silent, it, it means you're saying things that's scary to them. And I'm really proud of that. Well, you should be. And I recall our last interview, we were discussing COVID, and my laptop was hacked. It was, I, I think I, if anyone missed that, my laptop, uh, our conversation, it was cut off. My mouse was moving. Uh, I was not moving it. And somebody was taking over my laptop. So it's not conspiracy theory, folks. I saw it right here. I witnessed it. <laughs> okay. Well, well, I, I, I remember that. And the strange thing is, you know, I was an intelligence officer as well as a pilot. Uh, the government has the ability to monitor every phone call, every email. They're doing so much stuff that's totally illegal. Uh, I support people's right to protest. I, I support freedom 
Uh, I, I support voting for the candidate of your choice. I smoke, uh, promote democracy. And when you got the CIA and the FBI and the NSA running the world, that's a really scary world. Well, speaking of being listened to, I, I recall having a conversation. My, my mom was having a conversation with my wife, and she asked the question, uh, should she dye her hair a certain color? And an hour later, we reached our destination, and I seen advertisement on my phone regarding hair dye. Now, keep in mind, I was just driving, so my phone was idle. And so we're being listened to even if your phone is not on in an active mode, per se. We're being listened to. If you don't believe me, I, I don't ever dye my hair. <laughs> so so there's no way that should have come up there. Well, Bob, it's been a... Do you want the bad news? What's that, sir? <laughs> you haven't got enough hair to dye. <laughs> okay. Well, Mr. Moriarty, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Wishing you the absolute best, sir. Okay, my friend. It's good to talk to you. Always, sir. The information presented on Proven Improbable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.